Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. It's Friday, and Friday before a holiday weekend as well. Jonathan Krauss with you here on Krauss and Company on WHBY. Welcome to uh, today's show, and we have a jam-packed show for you coming up today. In fact, we're going to start with uh, Brian Carberry. He is the uh, director of Rent.com, and he'll have the uh, opportunity to talk about the increase in rental prices that we are seeing not only here in uh, the Fox Cities, but also across uh, Wisconsin as well. Kurt Dachins from the Community Foundation of the Fox Cities will join us coming up at 935, talk about the second half of 2021 and the items that they were able to uh, uh, give out in terms of grants for local community groups. Maddie Uhlenbrock will be in at uh, 10.05 as usual for Ladies and Gentlemen. The weekend. And then Mike James from Century World will join us. They're on the clock now for the 2023 U.S. Senior Open. That will be taking place coming up uh, next year at Century World. Okay, so uh, Caitlin, uh, Caitlin Schumacher was uh, scheduled to join us here for Inside the Headlines. I'm having a bit of a phone trouble getting her on the air. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break. Yes, we just had a long commercial break, but I promise that after we get uh, this uh, issue uh, fixed here. Uh, we'll try to get uh, Kaylin on the line, but uh, otherwise uh, she would be joining us for to go inside the headlines. One uh, item I do want to bring up here is uh, there was a ruling handed down, and we're going to be talking golf later in the show, so I hate to double up, but you know it's my favorite subject, that the Wisconsin Supreme Court has decided that a conservation group is not allowed to challenge a natural resources board decision that will allow for a land swap and clearance of construction of another golf course in Kohler. The Kohler company looking to add another uh, 18-hole championship course to the area uh, very near uh, the uh, corporate headquarters that they have and uh, not that far away from Black Wolf Run and then the Whistling Straits resorts. So this would be a third, if you will, golf uh, type of Uh, resort destination for Wisconsin. And uh, the Natural Resources Board approved a plan that will see the Kohler Corporation swap land with the Kohler-Andrade State Forest and the Kohler-Andrade State Park as well. And uh, what would happen is uh, the company itself will give up about 10 acres of land adjacent to property it currently owns, or on property it currently owns, which is adjacent to the state park and forest right now. In exchange, they would receive about six acres of property on the north end of the state park 
that is adjacent also to Kohler Company owned property where they want to build a golf course. They just need six more acres. And in addition, they will be granted what is known as an easement of two acres for construction of a driveway, a roadway that will lead to this brand new golf course because the state park curves upward to the north and basically cuts off access from uh, I-43 and some of the surrounding roads as you go through Kohler and the property where the new golf course would be. So the Kohler company for about a decade now has been trying to put together this land swap And it was something that was initially supported by Governor Scott Walker and his appointees to the Natural Resources Board. Then Governor Evers came in. He was not such a big fan of this potential land swap. And uh, Natural Resources Board, though, did give its approval for it last year. That is when lawsuits started. And uh, one group that filed a lawsuit was Friends of the Black River Forest, saying that uh, they should be allowed to legally challenge this land swap and have a judge ultimately decide if... Kohler will be allowed to do this or not. State Supreme Court ruling yesterday in a 4-3 ruling that the Friends Group cannot challenge the DNR's policy board. The court ruled that state law does not protect public use of the park. Friends of Black Forest or Black River Forest say, quote, Today's decision sets a disturbing new precedent for Wisconsinites and their ability to fight arbitrary and oppressive agency actions that affect their daily lives, actions that may extend far beyond where and whether they enjoy Wisconsin's natural resources, end quote. Thursday's ruling uh, overturned a standard used by courts in Wisconsin since 1975 to determine whether the public has standing to challenge agency decisions. The majority found that the standard has no basis in statute. The court's liberal justices accused the conservative majority of rewriting state law to limit the ability of courts across the state to rule on decisions that may harm the public. The dissent reads, quote, the majority opinion inexplicably and of its own accord rewrites the law to restrict the right to judicial review beyond that which the legislative text grants, end quote. But again, you're actually getting a bigger state park through this deal. Kohler is giving you 10 acres and they are taking six acres in exchange And they get to put a road in. That's it. That's the deal. You get basically four additional acres of state park as part of this land swap. And we get another high-end golf course to play here in Wisconsin. It's win-win for everybody, isn't it? But not according to the friends of the Black River Forest. By the way, uh, the Department of Natural Resources Board agreed in 2018, it wasn't even last year, it was 2018 that uh, this was approved by the Natural Resources Board, and it's been hung up in the courts ever since then. With the state Supreme Court ruling, I would expect that uh, the company should be able to begin uh, construction probably coming up sometime early next year. So that's uh, taking a little bit inside the headlines here on Kraus and Company, brought to you by Settlers Bank. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about a few things leading, leading into the July 4th holiday and then uh, run down all of the guests that we have joining us today as well here on WHBY. Eight forty-eight on a Friday edition of Krause & Company here on WHBY. It's going to be 
a four-day weekend for me. On the back end, though, I'll be taking Tuesday off. Best of show coming up uh, that day on July 5th. And then I'll be back on Wednesday, July 6th with new programming. For all of you wondering uh, where and when you can catch fireworks in the area, let's do the uh, complete rundown for you. In Appleton, the JCs will have their annual fireworks display at Memorial Park. That is scheduled to start with live music at 4 p.m. They will have food trucks and other beverage options available as well. Fireworks sponsored by Festival Foods will take place at dusk. In Kimberly, Firefighters for Fireworks are hosting their celebration July 3rd in Sunset Park. More food trucks there, more live music starting at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Fireworks will begin at 9.30 p.m. Little Shoot has their fireworks display coming up tonight at Doyle Park. That begins at 6 p.m. with food and beverage available at, again, Doyle Park. Fireworks will take place at dusk. Nina Manasha has Community Fest starting on July 3rd. That will include activities in Curtis Reed Square and Shattuck Park. And then you'll have the Parade of Lights on a Sunday night at 9.15 p.m. The parade departs from Riverside Park in Nina and will wind its way to Jefferson Park in Menasha. As for the 4th of July in Nina, Menasha, both uh, cities will host their activities starting at 11.30 in the morning. Fireworks will be at 9.45 that night in both Riverside and Jefferson Parks. You can also check out live music, food vendors, and there'll be some uh, kids' uh, games as well. Find out more about that. They are online. It is nmcommunityfest.org. For the folks in Winnicani, the village will be putting on a fireworks display starting at about 945 on July 4th. Uh, that'll be held on the Wolf River just north of the bridge. The Chamber of Commerce also holds a raffle that day to raise money to pay for the fireworks. And you can find out more there at winnicani.org. Meanwhile, the Fisk Fireworks, known uh, were around the uh, area as uh, one of the better displays hosted by a small community, and it's one of the more informal deals as well. You basically drive out to the Fisk area, park on any of the surrounding roads, and the uh, fireworks display is visible for quite a ways around. Earlier this week, we mentioned that they were looking for some money. They had to raise about $10,000 in order to uh, put on this year's uh, fireworks. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how much has come in here. Let me uh, click on the link. It looks like they've only raised about $770 so far. But from what we know, Fisk is still on for July 3rd. And the fireworks in Oshkosh will take place at Menominee Park. And that will uh, be getting uh, ready there. I believe they are setting up the uh, food and uh, the food trucks and such starting at about uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. So if you want to get your way down there, plenty of options here for fireworks over the next couple of days. And again, Little Shoot begins as early as today. Brilliant. They go a little bit later. I see here that they're listed as uh, July 9th. They have their fireworks and that is set up at Deer Run Golf Course out on Fairway Drive. So plenty to do. Of course, the uh, State Patrol will be out this week with Click It or Ticket, making sure that you are buckled up and not driving drunk during this time. We'll see uh, how heavy police presence is. I'll be taking Highway 45 all the way up to Three Lakes, uh, starting at about uh, 1.30 or so this afternoon, hopefully beating most of the traffic. 
I always joke that uh, I can never understand why we have these big, huge, long lines on 45 heading up north. But I've until recently had never been at the very beginning of the long line. Then a couple of years ago, I think it was just north of Marion. You know, Marion 45 goes to four lanes divided, but it's still 55, but most people drive about 70. And the Marion Police Department is busting people constantly along with the state patrol on these holiday weekends. So anyway, just north of that, uh, in behind me slips a sheriff's deputy squad car. So now I tune down the cruise control to 57, I think it was, 57 or 58. And we're cruising along, and I'm just waiting for the deputy to not be right behind me anymore. And this went on for probably the better part of 10 or 15 miles with the deputy behind me. And we're rounding this curve, and I get a chance to look all the way back behind me on 45. And there are about 50 cars, bumper to bumper, all behind me because I'm doing 57 with a deputy right on my tail, right behind me. Now, as soon as the deputy turned off, then we all sped up to still a safe and acceptable speed, although it was a little bit above what was posted. And uh, let me just uh, say that a few Illinoisians were more than ready to pass me at an even higher rate of speed. That's the amazing thing about uh, Illinois people on these holiday weekends. They are blowing by you constantly on the way up to where they want to go for the holiday weekend. But then when you're driving around in those areas, Three Lakes, Eagle River, St. Germain, Manaqua, they're going at least 10 or 15 miles below the speed limit. Often looking to see, oh, is this where I need to turn? Is this where I need to turn for that resort? Is this where I need to return to go to that place that we want to eat? And then it's just like, ugh. But then as soon as the holiday weekend is done and you're heading home on Sunday or Monday or whatever the case may be for the holiday, then 85 miles an hour again on the two-lane road. So they're in a hurry to get there, not so much of a hurry once they are there, and then plenty of hurry to get home again. The beauty of going up north here in Wisconsin. Yet to come on Kraus and Company, Brian Carberry from Rent.com will join us. He's got numbers on what we've seen in terms of rental rates here in the Fox Cities uh, and also in the uh, Green Bay and Oshkosh areas. Kurt Agents from the Community Foundation of the Fox Cities will join us at about 9.35, recap of their 2021 grant cycle and how much they were able to hand out to local nonprofits. 10.05, it's Maddie Uhlenbrock with, ladies and gentlemen, The Weekend. And by the way, for Maddie, this will be her final appearance with the last name of Uhlenbrock. She's getting married this weekend. So uh, she'll be out for a couple of weeks and then, be back again with a new last name. And Mike James from Century World to join us at uh, 1020 this morning to talk about the countdown to the U.S. Senior Open, which will take place in 2023 out there in Stevens Point. All yet to come on Crossing Company, Friday edition here on WHBY. Krauss & Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Call Peter Harbach and Sarah Kahn's at 920-250-9959 for your elder law and estate planning needs. Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. Sign up for their free weekly seminars via video conference at estateplanninglive.com. Jonathan Kraus with you here on a Friday edition of Kraus & Company heading into the holiday weekend. And we're going to jump onto the Settlers Bank phone line now, where we are joined by Brian Carberry, who is the managing editor for Rent 
Rentalpeople.com. We're going to talk about what we're seeing in terms of rental prices and uh, the daily, or the excuse me, the uh, monthly payments that people are looking uh, to pay for places to live. And first off, Brian, thanks for joining us here on Krausen Company. Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, hanging in there. It's Friday. Can't complain. I know. And a holiday weekend, too. So even better. Absolutely. All right. So you have uh, the numbers here. Let's get into those right away. Give us some idea of what the average renter is looking at. And we'll start here with a a one-bedroom. Say you're just starting out on your life and your career, moving out from, uh, you're just getting out of college, looking for a one-bedroom place to live. Give us some idea of the numbers we're seeing in Appleton, Oshkosh, and Green Bay. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with Green Bay. Uh, a one-bedroom apartment there, on average, is going to cost you slightly more than $800. Uh, that's actually slightly down compared to where we were this time last year. So Green Bay, bucking the trend a little bit, what we're seeing nationally is with those one-bedroom uh, rents. In Appleton, you're closer to $1,000, so a little bit more pricey there. That's up 20% compared to what people were paying this time last year. And in Oshkosh, it's right around $800, so pretty comparable to Green Bay. That rate of increase, though, is about 33% up last year. So we're seeing slightly different trends as we go to each of these individual areas uh, you know, in your market. But by and large, the good news for renters is that this rate, you know, $1,000, $800, wherever you're looking, is going to be less than what you're going to see in the Wisconsin area as, as an average for the state and much less than what you're going to see nationally. Nationally, a one-bedroom apartment's going for over $1,700 right now. So definitely a lot of value in the Green Bay area for those one-bedroom apartments. All right, so let's talk about two bedrooms. Maybe it's a small family that uh, is looking to relocate for a job or something like that. What kind of rates are we seeing? Yeah, you know, with the two-bedroom apartments, generally you can expect to pay more than a one-bedroom. It's a larger unit, has that extra room, you know, that you can do more with it. So you are going to expect to see a little bit higher of a rent price each month. In Green Bay, for a two-bedroom apartment, you're looking at over $1,100. That's up about 20% compared to what we were looking at a year ago. It's pretty much the same in Appleton, $1,200, up 20%. Uh, and then when you go to Oshkosh is where you're going to find the value for a two-bedroom apartment. It's only at $1,000. Uh, and that's slightly down compared to where we were this time last year. Again, these rates are all less than what we're going to see in Wisconsin as a statewide average. In the, in the state, you're looking at about $1,400 for that two-bedroom apartment. Nationally, that rate is over $2,000. So really, you can find, again, some incredible values in the Green Bay area for those two-bedroom units. What is the key to uh, keeping rent prices from escalating to the point where that we're seeing on the, both the national scale and more urban areas in Wisconsin? Yeah, you know, it's, it's difficult. It definitely is a problem nationally that we are seeing rent prices up 25 30%. Uh, you know, some markets are going to be up much, much higher. Uh, and it really all boils down to kind of a supply and demand issue that we are seeing. There's just not a lot of inventory on the market, especially affordable inventory. So when renters are coming in looking for a place to live, what's left on the market tends to be a little bit more higher priced. So that is going to slide that average up because, you know, if it makes sense, people are looking for the affordable units. And those are the, the, the units that are going to go off the market fastest. And then when you take a look at what the housing market is doing right now, ever since the housing market kind of took off and we're a year and a half into this at this point, a lot of people have been priced out of buying a home and then are turning to renting again. So that's just going to be putting more pressure on the renter market. And then most recently, the housing market is showing signs that it's slightly cooling down, but you're seeing mortgage rates going up. So for people that are looking to try to buy their first homes, it's really not saving them any money right now. So we really 
really need to wait for the housing market to really kind of start to come back down to cool off for these rates to come down to get people to start buying again. And that's going to help alleviate some of these high rent prices. So really what it all boils down to is just certain supply, demand in areas and the competition. If the competition is fierce, if it's high, which we're seeing in a lot of the bigger cities right now, where people are tend to want to move downtown and these places, especially now that the pandemic is knock on wood, hopefully kind of behind us, things are reopening. You're seeing just a lot of demand in these areas. And that's what's driving those prices up. Brian Carberry, managing editor for uh, Rent.com, is uh, joining us here on Krauss & Company to talk about rent, interestingly enough. And uh, what we are seeing in terms of development in our area especially is everything seems to be apartment complexes. And even if we're going to build, there was conversation about uh, building a new transit center here in downtown Appleton and having apartments associated with that and turning old office space into apartments. Will that have a long-term effect of driving down rents, or are we just not going to continue to meet demand that we are seeing for rental units? You know, it's tough to say. I do think that it could potentially help drive down rent prices, but, you know, if we're talking about building apartments near transit centers or in downtown areas or renovating warehouses in the law spaces or office complexes into apartments, whatever it might be, in a lot of cases, these are in high-demand areas already. The price is going to be a little bit higher just because of that demand. So if more of these high-priced units do come on the market, it's really not going to help because the units that are available right now are already the ones that are higher priced. So what we really need is for more affordable units to come on the market, and that's really is what is going to help those rent prices and kind of put things on the lower end of the spectrum and, and really slide that average the other way. It really, though, depends on kind of what the market is dictating. It's really if renters are willing to pay that price, then people are going to price it at that rate. Um, so it's really up to the renter to kind of determine, you know, and set that market value in any certain area. A complicating factor in that, though, is we're seeing inflation in terms of construction cost. So of building what we would call affordable or below market rate rentals becomes almost uh, financially impossible to pull off. Yeah, absolutely. And that is one of the reasons that we are seeing a lot of the newer units that are coming on the market right now are going to be these Class A or more luxury units because that's really where the money is. It does cost more to build these properties right now because of the inflation rates or delays in construction and supply chain issues. And it's just everything is taking longer. Everything's pricier. You know, even just the cost of, of gasoline to run some of the machines is going to be up. So for people to make money, for developers to make money on these units, in a lot of cases, they do have to price them a little bit higher. So it's kind of a catch-22 if you look at it that way. You know, there could be best laid plans of putting things out that are a little bit more affordable. But, you know, a year or two years down the road, however long it takes to build these properties in some cases, that could change. The market can completely be different from the time a, a construction property or construction project begins to when it comes online. So it is a lot of different factors that are at play, but the bottom line is it really to bring down those rent prices, the units need to be a little bit more affordable or some need to be set aside that are listed as affordable housing. Um, if something is built, you know, strictly luxury and it's priced way above what everything else in the market is valued at, it's going to just slide that average up. And then other apartments, if it is successful, they may start raising their prices because they're seeing, hey, people are willing to pay this rate. What tips do you have for people who might be just getting into the rental market or relocating and needing to find a place in a new city? Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. 
at U.S. Border Patrol. Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things that you can try to do uh, to kind of help you out with rent prices. Not all of them are going to be successful because certain landlords are going to be more willing to negotiate than other ones. But if you're moving somewhere new, I mean, the best advice that I can give you is really do your homework. Um, understand what kind of market you're getting into. See what the trends are doing. See which neighborhoods in that market are going to be in the most demand. See which ones have the most inventory. If you find a place that has more inventory and not as much demand, generally you're going to have a more affordable option or more affordable comparatively to some of the other areas in that market. Um, So that's the first thing you can do is just kind of understand what you're getting into and set a realistic budget for yourself. And then kind of look at the wants and needs that you may have. If you're new to a market, you know, this, this may not relatively, you know, work for you because you're not familiar with areas. But if you know that you're in a neighborhood that you want to stay in, you're planning on renting for a little bit of time, see if you can sign a two-year lease rather than a one-year lease. Generally, a standard apartment lease is going to be 12 months. So if you extend that for 24 months and sign it and lock in that rate, should rent prices continue to climb, a year from now, rather than renewing your lease at a higher rate, you're locked in at today's rate, and you'll save money a year from now. So it's kind of a long-term play for you there. And then, excuse me. And then if you're in an area, you know, say downtown, you know, Green Bay or something, where you know you can walk to everything, you're working from home, you really don't need a car, you want to get rid of a car, gas prices, you know, are incredibly high right now. Car insurance, whatever it all adds up. If you get rid of a car and your unit comes to the parking spot. See if you can negotiate that parking spot back, because a lot of people, especially families, may have a need for multiple parking spots. And if your unit only comes with one, they're looking for an additional place to park. Your landlord will then be able to take your parking spot and market it to someone else, and it's definitely a commodity that is is valued for renters, and your landlord may be willing to cut you a slight break there. And then the last thing that you can do, and this really works more if you've been in a unit already and you're familiar with a landlord, show them that you've been a good tenant. Show them that you paid your rent on time. You haven't had any issue with neighbors. If there have been minor maintenance issues, you've been able to handle them yourself. Just haven't been a problem. Landlords, at the end of the day, want a tenant that's responsible, that they like, that they know is going to pay the rent on time. If you can show that that is you, they're more willing to give you a little bit of a break rather than take a chance on someone new, even for slightly higher rent. So it all starts with a conversation with your landlord. Not everyone is going to be willing to negotiate, like I said, but the worst thing that can happen is they say no, and it never hurts to ask. Another trend that we're seeing in terms of urban development is what they call infill, where you have uh, accessory dwelling units that are now allowed in what are zoned residential districts. Uh, Single-family districts are being banned in some states. Uh, The laws are being changed to allow what used to be a single-family home to be parted out into duplexes and triplexes and what used to be known as flop houses where you share kitchen, bathroom, and facilities, stuff like that. Do you see that as a viable trend in the future to help control rent costs? 
You know, I think it might help in the short term, but in the long term, I do think that most people still do want to have that dream of owning a home. You know, if someone is willing to rent and looking for that short-term solution, yeah, for a year that might be a great option. But as families grow and needs grow and change, I don't see that as a viable long-term solution for a lot of renters. I do think it could potentially help in certain markets where you do have a lot of younger professionals moving in, whether it's tech hubs or you know college towns where people stick around. That could be an option for some of those people, but I don't think you're going to have a lot of renters that are going to want to willingly live in a place like that for the long term. So I, I think you kind of have to look at what's happening in each individual market. Yeah, it, it's a unique solution that, that may help, but I, I don't see it really changing too much in the long run. Yep, good points. Uh, final question for you. Uh, people go to uh, rent.com. What are they going to find? Yeah, if you go to rent.com, I mean, we are that simple solution for renters. We make it easy to find a place to live, whether it's an apartment for rent, a house for rent, whatever type of unit that you're looking for. We've got it there for rentals. You can easily search by the area you want to live, whether you want to live in Oshkosh, you want a pet-friendly apartment, you can easily filter by that to see results there. And then if you go to, over to our blog, you're going to see lots of helpful information and insights for renters, anything from how to find an apartment, what to look for when you're hiring movers, how to get settled in, some lifestyle trends. And then on our research page, we have all of this rent price data that we've been talking about there. We do a monthly rent report. We have a migration report, some other high-level market insights that really can help educate renters into what they're looking for so they know kind of what to expect, whether it's on a national level, individual markets. We really provide all that information to, to make it, like I said, as simple as possible for renters. Brian Carberry from Rent.com. I appreciate it and enjoy the weekend. Thank you. You too. Happy fourth. Brian joining us via the Settlers Bank phone line here on Kraus and the company. And just thought it was a bit interesting. You know, we hear a lot of talk about, oh, rent uh, jumping by this much and this much and that this much. Fox Valley still remains a pretty good bargain in terms of housing rates uh, for renters. And uh, we continue to bring more units on everywhere you go. It's all apartment building that uh, you are seeing. Very little in the way of single family home development in most areas. But uh, we will we'll find out if there's going to be that continued demand for all these units that everybody is planning to build downtown because everyone's got to live downtown, as Brian mentioned. Let's take a break. Uh, coming up in the uh, 9.30 half hour, Kurt Dachins from the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region will join us. And we're going to talk about their uh, second half of 2021 and the amount of grants that they handed out to nonprofits and what they expect here for the rest of 2022 as well, you're listening to Krause and Company on WHBY. Celebrate summer with WHBY's Big Deals 4th of July sale going on now. Save an additional 22% on local business gift cards and certificates storewide using promo code USA22. Shop family fun for Green Bay Axe, Monkey Joe's, X-Golf, and much more. It's the Big Deals 4th of July sale going on now at whby.com. Well, so much for that big sale involving Kohl's. It has been called off as the department store chain continues along in a shaky retail environment, risking a rising inflation and consumer anxiety. Kohl's had entered exclusive talks earlier this month with Franchise Group, which is the owner of Vitamin Shop and other retail outlets, for a deal potentially worth about $8 billion. Kohl's chairman, Pete Boneparth, in a statement issued this morning, quote, 
Given the environment and market volatility, the board determined that it simply was not prudent to continue pursuing a deal, end quote. The franchise group uh, says that it was serious about the bid, but likely found it increasingly difficult to make the math add up against a backdrop of deteriorating retail environment. U.S. data released two weeks ago showed that inflation had begun to erode the will of Americans to shop as they once had, unable to travel much and flush with money from government stimulus checks. Economic growth in the U.S. is slowing and potential takeovers face stiffening headwinds from rising interest rates that make financing such big deals much more expensive. Kohl's has struggled with anemic sales before the pandemic. Sales and profits did rebound in 2021, but now the department store is battling higher costs and a pullback from its price-conscious shoppers who are being more cautious with their spending in the face of inflation. The spending retreat is broader than that, though, as just weeks after telling its investors what to expect in the year ahead, the luxury furniture store chain ARH revised those expectations lower on Thursday, citing worsening macroeconomic conditions and rising mortgage rates. Also this week, Bed Bath & Beyond fired their CEO after another dismal quarter of sales. By the way, my wife and I were at uh, B&B a couple of weeks ago. Everyone there was literally just begging us to let them help us find what we're looking for because I don't think they see a lot of people over there anymore. Cole said on Friday that it now expects sales to be down in high single digits in the current quarter compared with 2021. It had anticipated sales to be down in the low single digits previously. That comes less than two months after Kohl's cut its annual earnings and sales forecast following a gloomy first quarter. Sales at stores opened at least uh, dr- at least a year, dropped 5.2% compared with 2021. Shares of Kohl's Corporation, based here in Wisconsin, were down 18% so far this morning on Wall Street. Kohl's, of course, operates 1,100 stores in 49 states. Now, if Kohl's was to go out of business, where would I buy my pants? Hmm. Another option was always the uh, Van Heusen outlet store in Oshkosh, but unfortunately, that has closed. So where will I get pants if Kohl's closes? Also used to be kind of my go-to for the official footwear of middle-aged men in America, and that was the Nike Air Monarch. Now I've switched over to Skechers because I'm even older than that now. And I I think they carry Skechers at Kohl's, but I've been getting it at the Skechers outlet instead. But uh, where will I get my tan pants if Kohl's closes? I may have to order them online. And then if they don't fit, I'll be told by Amazon, ah, just keep them. Which which is the growing trend in terms of returns as well. What a mess we've got going on right now. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, Kurt Dajans will join us from the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region. That's next on Crossing Company. Krausen Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Find their offices in Appleton, Green Bay, and Oshkosh or online at hooperlawoffice.com. For your elder law and estate planning needs, Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. Jonathan Krauss with Krausen Company here on WHBY Friday edition. And we're jumping back onto the Settlers Bank phone line now where we are joined by Kurt Dachin, President and CEO of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. And first off, Kurt, thanks for taking some time to join us here today on HBY. Thank you, Jonathan. Great to be with you. 
I uh, see that you've released numbers for the second half of 2021 in terms of uh, what the foundation was able to give out in grants to other local nonprofits and agencies. So if you could just kind of run through uh, how the numbers look there for the second half of last year. Well, uh, we're sharing our results from the second half of last year because uh, because the Community Foundation is changing its fiscal year to, to uh, go on to a calendar year basis going forward. So this was a partial. It was a six-month fiscal year for us. But uh, what's really amazing is that the, the generosity that shows in that six-month period. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Is roughly equivalent to what a typical 12-month cycle would look like. Uh, granting from the foundation in that six months, uh, a little $24 million in just six months. It was, uh, it was by far the most active giving period that we've ever had in our history. Well, how much of that was still tied to uh, pandemic relief? Because I know you had that emergency fund that you started in 2021 to deal with the uh, the worst of the situations that had arisen. Yeah, the the, the COVID response in our community is really a, a what a great reflection of the, the people who live here. Um, we did that together. <clears throat> excuse me. We did that together with United Way Fox Cities, and uh, uh, a total of uh, one and three quarter million was was given to the fund and, and in turn given out to the nonprofits that are taking care of our neighbors here in the community. Uh, so a share of that was, uh, was represented in the $24 million. Uh, but really, the, uh, you know, our donors are, are very diverse and have lots of different interests. Uh, nearly 1,000 different nonprofit organizations received a grant during that six-month period. Uh, very, very active, and it's across the board from from education, scholarships, human services organizations, uh, environmental organizations, really across the board, uh, uh, our donors support uh, so many different classes. Uh, give us some uh, examples of uh, donor fund grants that went out. These are kind of directed by funds that you oversee and uh, operate or help to uh, maintain the finances for. Give us a couple of examples of where the Community Foundation is having an impact. Yeah, it's it's hard to pick just a couple, Jonathan. But uh, um, you know, there are there are a number of a number of our donors that have have chosen to you know make more significant grants to, uh, for instance, to alma maters to uh, to support uh, special programs or our new facilities at their at their schools of graduation. Um, there's been a, there's been a lot of activity in. Uh, uh, in supporting organizations with mental health challenges here in the 
uh, in the what I'll call the post-pandemic uh, era. Um, mental health has been a big has been a big concern, a big issue everywhere. But here in the Fox Cities, we've had uh, quite a bit of activity and, and organizations that are really doing good things to address that. And uh, so we've seen foundation grants going in that direction. Um, uh, and really across the board, as, as organizations um, have had to adopt different business practices and technology is a bigger, is a bigger issue, um, many more grants going into the technology area to help organizations to be as, as effective as they can be in, in kind of the new normal of the way the world is operating today. Kurt Dachin from the Fox or the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region, joining us here today on Crossing Company, handing out uh, twenty-four point two million dollars in the last six months of uh, twenty twenty-one. You also had a huge year in terms of bringing in donations. How did those numbers look for the six months? Yeah, that was uh, that was equally stellar. Uh, uh, about thirty-seven million dollars was contributed to funds within the Community Foundation. Uh, that's about the same amount as what we would, as we would see in a in a recent twelve month fiscal year. So really, uh, uh, generous people. Um, uh, some of that has to do with the, uh, you know, the stock market was appreciating nicely into the end of twenty twenty one, and you know, one of the one of the smartest, most prudent ways to give is to give appreciated stock because you get the the tax deduction for the full value, and you don't have to pay any taxes because we're a nonprofit. Yep. Um, so we saw a lot of uh, a lot of stock giving uh, into year end, um, and even a little bit of real estate donation into year end, where people were giving um, pieces of real estate to the foundation, allowing us to sell and convert that into cash that they can give away to their favorite charities. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful period. Very busy time in the Fox Valley, and um, so many people doing great things for one another. You mentioned this report came out because you're switching your fiscal year. What was the thought behind that to go to the calendar year as opposed to the traditional fiscal year? Really, the, the, the main reason is it's easier. It's easier for, for our donors to understand, easier for our, for our nonprofit beneficiaries. People tend to think in terms of, of calendar years and um, having, having worked with a July through June fiscal year, um, frankly, was just uh, something that we uh, wanted to simplify for people just to make it easier for people to do their planning and their dealing. You mentioned a 2021, a great year for fundraising and then also for what you were able to give out in terms of grants. How has 2022 been looking since we're at the midway point uh, technically today? Yeah, the uh, the first part of the year, first half of the year for us is uh, is typically... Uh, less busier than the, than the second half. Um, and we've seen that again this year. Um, uh, but we see, at the same time, we see uh, many nonprofit organizations that are, um, that are entering into campaign mode or, or uh, improvement projects that maybe have been sitting on the shelf for a little while during the pandemic. And now we're starting to see more activity there. So we, we expect that... Uh, uh, donors are going to have, have many opportunities to be given to special causes and special projects from our n- local nonprofit organizations. Um, so the second half of the year, we expect to be a quite busy period for us. Yeah. So give us some idea overall what the Community Foundation has been able to uh, do in terms of community impact since your founding. Oh, gosh. Um, that's a really big story, Jonathan. The uh, uh, 
the foundation got started in the mid-1980s, and uh, since inception, uh, donors have, have given more than $400 million to nonprofits through the foundation over those years. And just in the last two and a half years, uh, over $90 million of that $400 million total was just in the last couple of years. Uh, so you can see that the, uh, uh, the activity level, the generosity level, and the, the cumulative effect is really, is really showing itself. And what started off as a $5,000 gift uh, to start the foundation in 1986 has turned into a, uh, a wonderful vehicle for people um, um, of all shapes and sizes to give back to their community. And the Community Foundation is a partner with so many to do that, and we're thrilled. What's the advantage of having a community foundation as opposed to everyone kind of just being out there and asking for money on their own? Well, the Community Foundation um, gives people the, the ability to, to really organize and plan their giving um, in ways that, uh, uh, that can sustain and transfer family values through the generations, um, uh, ways to be more strategic and targeted. Um, and the most typical example that people think about is um, uh, establishing a scholarship in, in the name of a loved one to, uh, to invest in future generations of young people to pursue their education. Um, by doing it through the Community Foundation, it can be established and it can be perpetual, and it'll be something that'll continue to give year after year forever in benefiting the charitable causes that people have. So um, giving while living, writing checks, and supporting supporting nonprofits is always going to be really important. Uh, but when it's time to uh, kind of put together a little bit more of a plan and um, something that might have a longer-term duration and a longer-term impact, that's when people turn to the Community Foundation as a partner. Post-pandemic, what do you see as being the greatest needs in our community? Well, I mentioned earlier the mental health continues to be a, a really big area of concern and, and growing interest. Um, uh, the traditional things like you know food insecurity, it's still with us. Um, despite the great efforts of organizations and people all over, um, um, housing, affordable housing, um, Affordable housing is really a big issue, and, and, and we've got some organizations really trying to get their arms around that here in the local area. Um, we need to take care of and plan for our future workforce, and we have to have housing options that allow people to move here and to live here uh, affordably. And uh, so all those things, um, uh, many of these things have been with us for a long time um, and will continue to be. And then there's opportunities, um, you know, opportunities like trail systems and uh, we saw through the pandemic that, uh, you know, people were really compelled to be outside. Um, that was the safest place for them to be. People were enjoying our waterfronts and our in our trail systems. And there's a real uh, there's a real appetite for more of that and interconnecting our system through the region. Um, we can look forward to seeing a lot more progress in that area too. Yep, I know um, municipalities have really stepped it up in terms of, especially with the advantages we have of all the water frontage in our municipalities here. I don't think there's a community left that doesn't have some kind of river walk anymore. Well, and isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the joys of living here is we do have a beautiful area and the, and the river is, is one of the, one of the greatest features. And, you know, the, the, uh, the, the municipal planners and municipal leaders here in this area, um, 
they get together and they work together and they, they help one another to make the connections and plan together to make sure that what they're developing is going to connect well with the next municipality. Uh, you know, we really have a lot to be uh, grateful for, the, that spirit of collaboration here in this region to continue to progress. We had um, Matt Tanakin from the Champion Center on earlier this week talking about just the extreme amount of interest that they're seeing here post-pandemic, and that was a project that Community Foundation was involved in as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I had the, I had the opportunity um, to be part of the task force that was working yeah. with that one. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, and the Convention Bureau would tell you that the, 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 the sports teams that, that come here and the conventioners that come here, um, they come and visit our region because they enjoy the kind of community we have. Um, it's a comfortable place for them to be. It's hospitable and people are friendly and there's plenty of things to do. And um, um, I know the Convention Bureau is doing some planning right now and trying to determine what comes next. What's the, what's the vision for what this community needs to have for its visiting public going forward? So that's incredibly exciting. And, uh, and I've been plugged in with Pam and the team over there too. Um, great organization doing great work and the future of our, of our region really is pretty exciting. If someone's looking to uh, donate to the community foundation or maybe they're with a nonprofit that uh, could use a little bit of help, what's the best way to uh, get in touch? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, uh, website's probably the easiest and quickest to get a comprehensive view. Uh, CFFoxValley.org. Uh, our office is real near the, the Fox River Mall. We're on Lawrence Street uh, in Grand Chute. Um, stop in. Um, we'd, love to, we'd love to have that conversation. Um, and our phone number, 920-830-1290. Um, we've got a team of folks that are always interested in, in answering questions and providing insights and giving people opportunities to do good things. Kurt Dachin, CEO and President of the Community Foundation of the Fox Valley Region. Thank you very much for joining us here today on Krause & Company. Have a great holiday weekend. And thank you so much, Jonathan. We will talk to uh, Kurt later. And uh, my thanks uh, also to uh, Megan Mulholland, who is our Communications Director, for getting this all set up in terms of an interview on somewhat short notice as well. They sent out their uh, second half results, and we were able to get Kurt on today to talk about those. Quick break, and then coming up in the 10 o'clock hour, it's Maddie Uhlenbrock for one final time as Maddie Uhlenbrock for, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. We'll get you set for the big holiday weekend and events going on here in the Fox Cities. And then also Mike James from Century World out in Stevens Point. Uh, they are starting the countdown for the 2023 U.S. Senior Open. 
which they will host. So we're going to talk about that, their association with the United States Golf Association as a amateur major host site. And then they've switched things up in terms of how they work their tee times and what you get when you book a round of golf out there. It's rather unique. And we'll talk about that coming up at about 10.20 this morning here on Krausing Company. Haley Ten Pass and American Grand Nina bring you Made in Wisconsin every other Friday during Focus Fox Valley. Haley will feature unique products produced right here in the Badger State. Hear the rebroadcast the following Friday during AM Fox Valley with Dave Edwards here on WHBY. Also, sincere thanks to everyone who came out for the Combat Hunger 2022 Food Drive, brought to you by TDS Fiber and our friends at Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. Still totally in the final numbers on that as to how much food we were able to bring in and cash donations as well for veteran hunger programs in our area. So we'll pass you those uh, numbers sometime next week to let you know how much you were able to help out those in need here in the Fox Valley. Someday I'm going to be able to tell the kids around in my neighborhood that I'm old enough to remember when the Big Ten Conference was a bunch of Midwestern land-grant universities with high standards for academics. USC and UCLA, two of the Pac-12's flagship programs, were notified yesterday that their application to join the Big Ten has been accepted. The schools will begin in the conference in 2024. The Big Ten issuing a statement that the vote was unanimous when conference presidents and chancellors met on the addition of the two schools Thursday evening. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren writes, quote, The unanimous vote today signifies the deep respect and welcoming culture our entire conference has for the University of Southern California and the University of California, Los Angeles. UCLA Athletic Director Martin Jarman wrote in a text to ESPN, quote, College athletics is changing, and UCLA has always led in times of change. For the sake of our student-athletes and for preserving the legacy of Bruin excellence, we cannot afford to stand still, end quote. USC Athletic Director Mike Bone called the Big Ten, quote, the best home for USC and Trojan athletics as we move into the new world of collegiate sports, end quote. He adds, we are excited that our values align with the league's member institutions. We will also benefit from the stability and strength of the conference, the athletic caliber of Big Ten institutions, the increased visibility, exposure, and resources the conference will bring our student-athletes and programs, and the ability to expand engagement with our passionate alumni nationwide, end quote. A source told ESPN that the exploration of finances and what it would take to make the move had been going on for weeks, while finances are playing a big role, like all of the role in the move, competitiveness, brand, and the overall landscape of the future of sport have also played a role. Pac-12 issuing a statement uh, last night that it was, quote, extremely surprised and disappointed by the news that UCLA and USC are leaving. So let's get to the bottom line. This is all about cash for schools currently in the Big Ten. It just so happens that broadcast rights for Big Ten broadcasts and carriage rights for the Big Ten network all happen to come up for renewal at the end of this season. Well, what a coincidence that is. Hey, look at this. We can now bring you 
Los Angeles, the second largest television market in America, is part of our conference package now. Boys, start throwing some money our way. And this was brought up uh, on our sister station, The Score. We have uh, Drew and KB, they're the host of our afternoon show from 3 until 6 uh, over on that station. And Drew, uh, who's been covering sports for decades here in Wisconsin, he brought up the point that I think a lot of us are wondering as well. Okay, fine. USC comes to Madison for a Saturday night game at Camp Randall, or maybe the Badgers go to UCLA for a Saturday night tilt at the Rose Bowl. That's pretty easy to figure out and to plan and all of that. What happens when we've got UCLA volleyball, women's volleyball, taking on Rutgers, which is in New Jersey? Cross-country flight on a Tuesday night for a conference matchup. What is the point of having that? Yeah, and we don't know what the, the Big Ten plan is here because they have been discussing conference realignment uh, in, for a while here where the football divisions, because there's a serious lack of competitive balance because Ohio State beats the heck out of everyone who wins the Big Ten West every year in the football championship game. And again, football is driving all of this. Every single decision being made in college athletics right now is all about football and maximizing the amount of money that football can generate for each individual school. I know there's a lot of talk about, oh, maybe this means USC is going to jo- or uh, Notre Dame is going to join the Big Ten now. Notre Dame has its own TV contract with NBC. They do not have to share a penny of television revenue with any other school for their broadcast of their football, basketball, all of the other Olympic sports, as we call them on campus, they're aligned with the ACC. But the Atlantic Coast Conference did not get Notre Dame football because Notre Dame football has NBC network money coming in, and it's a lot of it, and they don't want to share. So why would they join the Big Ten, where they would have to share not only with you know the current number of 14 teams in the conference, you'd be looking at having to share it now with 16 teams. And who knows who else is going to join the Big Ten after this. By the way, change the conference name. This has been the dumbest thing ever. The Big Ten had 14 teams. The Big 12 had 10 teams at this season. What's the point? It's all about the money. And we can just give up. You know, now that we have the NIL and the students are getting paid to play, in effect, and they're going to the highest bidder in terms of what uh, collective organized by the athletic department is able to pay them to play for said university. It's, let's just say that they're minor league teams from now on and drop the school affiliation. Just rent out your stadium to a professional minor league team. That's what we've got. They, they don't even have to go to school anymore. That'll clear up a lot of the cheating. USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. Come on. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-ch-chumba. 
All right, enough of my rant. We've got more Krause and Company coming up next on HP1. Krause and Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Call Peter Harbach and Sarah Kahn's at 920-250-9959 for your elder law and estate planning needs. Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. Sign up for their free weekly seminars via video conference at estateplanninglive.com. Ladies and gentlemen, The Weekend. And this is a very special edition of The Weekend, as Maddie Eulenbrock joins us from the Fox Cities Convention and Visitors Bureau for the last time as Maddie Eulenbrock. Yes, that is true. It's a wild thought, but it is our last one with that. All right, so uh, what will your new last name be? Oh, I love saying it. Jack. All right. So short. Beautiful. <laughs> I was mentioning to you, that sounds like a celebrity name. It does. That's, it's almost, yes. like a, almost like a rapper name. Yes. Maddie well, Jack. And with the initials MJ, that's kind of cool, right? It is, yes. Like I you know, might get confused with Michael Jordan every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when are the nuptials? July 9th. Okay. Yes. So I will be out next Friday, obviously getting ready for yes. Saturday. And that's perfectly fine. Yep. And we're doing it at Lambeau. So that'll be fun and excited. Nice. Looking forward to it and ready for all the planning to be done. I'm Your so idea tired. or his to go to Lambeau? So he proposed at Lambeau. Ah. And he's like, Wait a you minute. Know, during a game? No, oh, God. No, no, no. Oh, on the scoreboard? <laughs> no. No. It was after dinner. We went to 1919. We okay. were walking around the stadium. So it was nice. But then we're like, well, bring it full circle and go back there for the wedding. So Fantastic. very excited. All yeah. right. Yes. And I noticed you timed it outside of football season. We did. If you try to schedule during football season, it's a mess because yeah. you have to wait for the schedule to come out. Yes. So you can't even do a lot of your you know, vendor planning or any of that until it comes out. And I am way too like type A anal, get it planned out for that. So we were not messing around. Yep. Not to mention <laughs> hotels won't give you any rooms. Yes. You won't get the rates that you want. Yeah. So being in the hotel kind of business, I know the ins and outs <laughs> of how this works. All right. So, and then uh, the honeymoon plans? San Diego. Nice. Going to yeah. the zoo? No, I don't oh. think we're going to do the zoo. We're going to do Midway, uh, Padres okay. game. We were supposed to go take a tour at SoFi, but they canceled it for some reason. But All we right. still have a car, so we're going to drive to the LA area, probably get stuck in traffic for like eight hours, and then fight our way back. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes thinking of LA traffic, but then again, I'm one of the few people who's ever taken the subway in oh, Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah, we took the subway when we went to oh, New York one time. I love oh, no, the subway. But not in LA. Oh, not in LA. Yeah. No. Oh God! They have a subway in L.A. Really, (laughs) with the earthquakes? (laughs) That yeah, that's like not a great thought. Don't put that in my head right now. (laughs) Don't worry, nothing will happen. I don't like things I can't plan for or control. (laughs) Accidentally going to make it to Tijuana, or is that not in the? Oh my God, that's not in the plan. But I am so directionally challenged. We might be in Mexico before I know it. Whoops. (laughs) All right. So enough of what's going on next weekend. Let's talk about what's happening this holiday weekend, and of course. There's fireworks everywhere. There so are where fireworks. We, where can we go? Yeah. So we've got a couple different options. Some of them I'm going to talk about. There's other ones that we have a blog about on our website, foxcities.org. So check that out for all of the information. A couple of the biggies, though. So we've got the Appleton Festival Foods Fireworks. They'll have live music and fireworks at dusk. And this one happens in Memorial Park. But, of course, with all these, you can see them for a couple miles around yep. in the surrounding area. So wherever you choose to camp out. Little shoot in Doyle Park, food, beverages, and fireworks at dusk as well. And I think then, that's tonight, right? Yes, July I do 1st. think that one's yep. tonight. Yep, Appleton and that is, is one thing 3rd. to check. Yeah, they're all yep. kind of across scattered dates, so 
that's one thing to keep in mind. Yep. Um, and then Kimberly, they'll be at Sunset Park. So they've got live music, food, and fireworks as well. So a couple right. different options for people. And uh, we've warned everyone that there is a bit of a fireworks shortage. So it might be a shorter show I didn't that know you that. see at many of the spots. Oh, or it's just going to be like little sparklers. <laughs> Not that bad. Okay, good. Because that would be a disappointing <laughs> show. <laughs> uh, one other thing going on, Nina and Menasha are getting together. Yeah, so they've got their annual community fest going on. This happens July 3rd through the 4th, and it's located across Nina and Menasha. So this is one that I laugh at every year because their website is so jam-packed with events that I can't even like cover half of what they've got going on. So to give you a small little idea, they've got the Parade of Lights, which is going to be Sunday night, cookouts, inflatables, live music, entertainment, kids' activities, bunch of different shows for families. So a really great time if you are in that community or sticking around for the weekend. And they have true 4th of July fireworks on the night of the 4th. So yep. that would be your option for the true 4th fireworks. I believe it's a dual show in different parts. Yes, I think so too. So I'm not sure if they like have a battle of the fireworks, but it might be kind of cool. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> thinks theirs are the best. Yeah, right. Maddie Uhlenbrock joining us here from the uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, for Ladies and Gentlemen, The Weekend. And uh, not something specific to 4th of July, but still something you wanted to talk about going on the rest of the summer. Yes. Yeah, so we're transitioning out of the 4th now, and we've got the Future Nina Trail Treasure Hunt going on. It's now through August 1st, and it's a partnership they have with Berkshire Mahler Museum of Glass, which is also in the downtown Nina area. So Berkshire Mahler handcrafted 13 glass orbs, and they're hiding them all along the Nina portion of Loop the Lake, which is the three-mile trail that connects all of those communities. They're putting two of them out each Wednesday, and if you find it, it is yours to keep. So don't step on it, because right. that's glass. So watch where you're walking. <laughs> um, but they'll only be hidden in public areas as well. So please don't venture into people's you know, bird baths and backyards, because they're not going to be there. Oh, so it's not like Pokemon, where you are looking? Or yeah. Like actually in Pokemon, yeah, it was Pokemon Go. or whatever it was. Yeah, Pokemon Go was yeah. a big thing for a long yeah. time. Where everyone yeah. was going to cemeteries. Yes. Yeah. And you just see like hordes of people all on their phone, like walking down the street. Yeah. It was yeah, it was like real creepy. <laughs> but you know, so this one is all gonna be in public areas. And if you do find one of the orbs, send your photo to Future Nina because they'd love to post your treasure. So a fun thing throughout the rest of the summer. These little scavenger hunts are hugely popular. I know that yes. um, police departments have been putting out painted rocks for people I've to find. I've seen some of those. They're really cute. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Wisconsin uh, Athletic Department came up here with, mm. and they planted little mini badger helmets oh, in a couple yes. of the Appleton parks. Yes, I saw that too. And they had some really good prizes that yes. went along with some of those too. So that was a great one. Yeah, so this is yeah. kind of the new thing, treasure yes. hunting. I like it. It's kind of like, remember when geocaching was a huge yes. thing? I don't know if it still is, but this is kind of what it reminds me of. Well, yeah. When everyone first got their phones and you could go to specific satellite coordinates. Yes. That was kind of the neatest thing ever. Yes. And our old people. CVB was actually a geocache location. Ah. So we had like a little bucket that people would come trade out their items and whatever, but kind of a dying art, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, it's no different than us using our GPS uh, units on the golf course, I that guess. That is true. And uh, finally, we have to get something in here with liquor, so we go do. ahead. Yeah, so this one, again, just kind of talking about some <laughs> other fun things you can look at for the summer. Whistler's Knoll is a vineyard and event venue over in Hortonville, and they've got a bunch of different things that they do throughout the summer that are just fun weekly events to go catch. Now, remember, this is not a winery, so they don't have all-day, every-day open public hours, yep. but they do try to have a lot of stuff open to the public. So they've got their weekly Wine Down Nights, which is a happy hour featuring over 20 wines, mixers, and tap beer. And they also do yoga in the vineyard for an extra $10. So that's like a true wine down. You do your yoga, and then you have your wine, and that's a great night. 
The other things they've got, uh, wood-fired pizza nights. So Parm brings their mobile wood-fired pizza oven, and they Mm. cook pizza made to order per person. And then Bloody Mary Sunday, food trucks and made-from-scratch bloodies on various Sundays. So keep your eye on their event calendar. Lots of fun stuff coming up. Where can we find out everything going on in the Fox Cities? Yes, you can go to foxcities.org or visit us in person, 213 South Nicolay Road. All right. Best of luck on the uh, wedding next weekend. Yes. And we will talk to you in a few weeks. Sounds good. Enjoy your holiday. You too. Maddie Ulenbrock joining us from the Fox Cities Convention and Visitors Bureau for, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. After this uh, break, we're going to be joined by the uh, folks at Century World, Mike James, our general manager, to get you ready for the 2023 U.S. Senior Open that they'll be hosting and then also talking about the new way that they are packaging rounds of golf at that facility. It's all next on Krause & Company on HBY. Welcome back to Krause & Company here on WHBY. Jonathan Krause with you today as we get ready for a big holiday weekend. And uh, last weekend was the U.S. Senior Open, which uh, was captured by Podrick Harrington, the Ryder Cup captain for Team Europe when they played at Whistling Straits uh, last year. And finishing uh, second in that tournament was Steve Stricker, the American captain from 2021 at uh, Whistling Straits. And that means now that that tournament is wrapped up last weekend, on the clock is Century World in Stevens Point, which will hold the 2023 U.S. Senior Open. And uh, joining us now to talk more about that event and some other things going on out there at Century World is the uh, general manager, Mike James. Mike, thanks for joining us here today on Crossing Company. Thanks, Jonathan. Nice to be with you. All right, so it's uh, 51 weekends away now. How far along in the planning process and preparation is uh, Century World? Uh, we're well along uh, in our planning. We've been we've been focused on this for oh well over a year. <laughs> Excuse me. The um, planning process is going very well. Working side by side with the USGA and. Uh, we feel very comfortable where we are, but we're glad we still have uh, 300 and some days to go to uh, tie up some of the loose ends. Why did Century World put in a bid for the U.S. Senior Open? Well, we uh, we started off with uh, the USGA several years ago, and you know they they have a process that they follow that you you know you apply to host one of their championships, and then. You know, they come and visit your facility and kind of give you three results here. No, it does not a good fit. Central is not a good fit to host one of our championships, or maybe it is, or yes, it is. And of course, we were uh, got the yes hosting the 2019 Girls Junior yep. a few years back. But um, you know, we really put a lot of effort in into that championship, and and the USGA loved our golf course. They loved the, the flexibility of it, the layout. They knew it could challenge uh, the best players in the world. So, um, you know, right after that, senior, uh, girls junior, we started to uh, we we got this senior open, and we've been focused on that ever since. Yep, you mentioned that you had the uh, girls junior am out there a couple of years ago. What kind of lessons did you learn from uh, hosting a national championship at your facility? Well, the golf course is really uh, the the star of the show. The, the USGA will tell you that any they they will only host their events at golf courses that are 
uh, of a caliber that can challenge their golfers. And the girls' junior, they, that was an inspirational moment for us. I mean, we saw these young women play golf, and, and uh, it's incredible. You know, not just players, but just people. But we, so we fell in love with the, the idea of, you know, hosting golf tournaments of a, of a major level. Uh, but but the the players really enjoyed the course, um, challenged them. <laughs> the uh, spectators loved it. The, the USGA, the committee, the USGA committee really enjoyed themselves in Stevens Point and at Century World. So it was just a kind of a okay. We we are definitely you know uh, a good site for the USGA. We we all felt that after the girls junior, and then it was a question of what next. You guys actually had a bit of a challenge that week because uh, severe storms moved through. I remember going out there to pick up my credential, and I think you guys were running on a generator because there was so much tree and uh, power line damage in the area around the golf course. But once you came back for the actual competitive rounds later in the week, place looked great. Well, you remember the storms. Yeah, that oh, was, yeah. Uh, was a challenge, to say the least. Uh, what was heartwarming is that once those immediately after those storms left and rolled out, we got so many people who came and said, Hey, can we help? And we had a couple hundred people <laughs> that would come in and that came in and, uh, cleaned up all the debris. There was, it was just, uh, it was a pretty crazy scene at that moment. The next morning, which was, uh, the, the final practice round before we started the event, uh, the USGA came out to the first tee at 5.20 a.m. I was there, and uh, she was just blown away by the fact that the golf course was so cleaned up and ready to go, and, and the course withheld uh, that all that rain. Yeah. So kudos to Matt Smith and uh, our superintendent and the team preparing the course so it can drain nicely and be ready for any play. Mike James, General Manager at Century World in Stevens Point, joining us here today on Krause and Company. They are the host of the 2023 U.S. Senior Open, a major on the uh, Senior Tour, and that will take place June 29th through July 2nd of next year, so just about uh, just a little bit less than a year away for the start of that tournament. Now, since the girls' Junior Am was held at Stevens Point, you guys have made some changes to the course. What's been done, and how do you think it'll prove to be an even greater challenge for the seniors when they come in next year? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have been uh, actively working to adjust the golf course after a couple of years in preparation of the U.S. Senior Open. 
the uh, the USGA after the girls junior and after we was uh, confirmed that we were hosting the senior open. We knew that there were some renovations that we needed to do to the course to prepare for that championship. What was really fun, uh, an interest, a very interesting process was we worked with the USGA and with our golf course architect, Robert Trent Jones Jr. and Bruce Charlton. And collaboratively, we walked each hole. And, you know, the USGA, they know exactly what in the player's mind and how they're going to attack a hole, each hole by hole. So, you know, as we went down each hole and, you know, kind of figured out how we were going to uh, rearrange it, uh, we narrowed a a number of fairways um, as one. So uh, the fairways were cut about in half. And then we added some bunkers. We wanted to make sure that off the tee they had to think about, you know, am I going to challenge that bunker? Am I going to lay up? Uh, there were a couple of greens that we completely bulldozed down to the ground and rebuilt. And uh, we added some new tees, which now the golf course is measured over 7,300 yards. So we have plenty of, of length for this uh, championship, but all for the, the, um, the goal of challenging the player and, and challenging every club in their bag that week. So when you raise that trophy at the end of the week, they we want them to have earned it. Okay, so you have upped uh, the challenge of the course for the professionals and top-level amateurs that will be coming in for the U.S. Senior Open next year. How do you still keep it playable then? for those who are only single-digit or maybe double-digit handicappers who come in to play on a regular basis? That's an excellent question. It was the exact question that we uh, challenged ourselves with and our golf course architects, Robert Trent Jones and Bruce Charlton, is, okay, we're challenged. We're going to set this golf course up for the best players in the world, but that's just one week of the year. So as we went through each of each hole by hole, we had a strategy and understanding of what it was going to be like once that last putt was was uh, put in the hole. And so I'm very pleased. We're all very pleased with the fact that once uh, Sunday is over and we're on to normal play, the we'll we'll. Cut the rough down, obviously, and that rough is going to be very thick. But we're going to cut the rough down back to a level that uh, you know everybody can play. You and I can play out of where we're, we can navigate our ball and get it uh, towards the hole. That is the beauty of what we did, and it's really the uh, it's an art. It's you know what they do, what uh, golf course architecture does is an art form, and the USGA, with their help, it really did help us going to figure out how to conduct a championship but also have a golf course that's ready for the average player and we feel it's it's absolutely uh, very playable for the average golfer once we get the rough down and uh, back to normal you mentioned uh, holes have been changed out there uh, but there's also been some big changes at century world off the golf course adjacent to the golf course if you will tell us about the lodge yeah, the new inn at Century World. We uh, we opened it uh, late spring uh, this year, and uh, you know this is something that is 
so incredibly exciting for us. It's um, it's something that we now can have players, our destination golfers, coming from all around the country, around the world, actually. We, we get international players all the time. And now they can stay right here on site. The inn is 64 rooms. It's a luxury boutique hotel that is um, very comfortable. And if anybody's been to Century World, you know, there's this elegance to it. But it's very approachable. It's very central Wisconsin. And the inn matches that flair. Uh, but it's done at a very high level. And, uh, and, and the feedback that we've gotten so far from our, from our guests is incredible. So we we uh, we look forward to having people come and, and visit and 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 golf packages. We've been uh, packed with golf packages this summer, which is great. And of course, they're staying at the end. And it's just really neat how we can fully take care of that destination golfer, not just their golf needs or the food and beverage needs. They can certainly now stay with us, and uh, we can wrap our arms around them and just make sure their their stay is. Is, uh, is fantastic. And that leads into another change that was made. You've gone to what you could basically call an all-inclusive package when you come out to play. Tell us about what playing at Century World this year includes when you pay your fee. Yeah, we, we uh, you know, after a couple of years, the last couple of years, we renovated the golf course. We added the inn. We, we looked at the golf course itself and... Um, felt like we could do something different, something that is um, century, it's our uh, style of golf. It's, and, and what our style of golf is, is ex- extremely well-conditioned golf course. Uh, I'll challenge our lis- your listeners to find a better-conditioned golf course in century world here in uh, Wisconsin. we Go to the nth degree. Every blade of grass matters to us. We added um, what we call refreshment stations on the golf course. There are two of them. And everything, so you pay your fee uh, for the day for your golf. And, of course, your range balls are included. Your golf cart is included. And before you tee off, you go into the uh, refreshment station there on hole number one, and you can get any kind of refreshments or food and beverage. I call it Willy Wonka's little shop there. You walk <laughs> in and you grab whatever you want, snacks or some something hot to eat, uh, a cold sandwich or ice cream, um, and uh, Bloody Mary, and you head to the tee and you play. And then you'll come up to another one. We built two of these, so on hole number three, you'll find another one. So if you'd like to get something else to eat or drink, you're welcome to do that. And as you play the course, then you weave back through to hole number 10, where 1 and 10 is, and that same refreshment station, you can get something there. And then on hole 3 and 13, which all shares those two holes, you know, you can swing back and get something at the end of your, uh, as you're heading towards the back stretch of your round. So you get four kind of bites at the apple, if you will, to get something to eat and drink and uh, play your round. And that's all inclusive, fully inclusive into the fee of what you pay. The other thing we did is we know that uh, 
slow play is one of the worst things about playing golf, and we've all been there. Well, at Century Road this year, we actually took our tee time intervals from 10 minutes to 20 minutes. So 20 minutes in between groups that we'll send out. So you really have this opportunity to enjoy your 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 round your uh the people you're playing with and you don't feel like you're pushed all the way around or having uh slowed up by the group ahead of you and so far jonathan the response of our golfers has been incredible they love the concept and um you know we don't have uh the, the the issues out there that uh, you know courses have have had in the past we've had you know there's sometimes there's slow play and such and it's just an, a very relaxing way to go out and enjoy your day on the course. Yeah, twenty minutes that means the group ahead of you should be at least a hole and a half ahead, and you shouldn't see them right. the rest of the day. <laughs> That's right. Unless there's a little bit too much time in the refreshment shop, but you know you're out there to have fun. <laughs> We're talking. Why don't you just enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. We are talking with Mike James, general manager at Century World. And uh, so as back to the U.S. Senior Open, what are volunteer opportunities uh, are going to be available for uh, folks to help out that week and get a chance to watch and be a, a, literally a part of the tournament? Well, the, yeah, one of the things that we needed to do as a host site is to secure um, – volunteers and they asked us to secure 1800 and just to put that in perspective for the girls junior they asked us for 250 volunteers so a significant uptick in the number the great thing is as we sit here today we have over 2100 people that have signed up to volunteer and in the the usga said oh my gosh how in the world are you have you done that? And you know, I think the my answer is, well, we just love golf here in, in the state, and so you know, we're so thankful for those who've signed up. Uh, you know, if you're if you're still interested in in signing up, please do. Uh, you can go onto our our website www.centuryworld.com. There's a little drop down for the U.S. Senior Open, and there's a place to sign up to volunteer. And that's not to say we're we we wouldn't. Um, you know, allow for more people to, to sign up because, you know, people have can- late cancellations and things. But um, we're in a really good uh, spot when it comes to volunteers. And then uh, what is the uh, website to find out more about uh, uh, about Century World? Yeah, that's uh, www.centuryworld.com. All right. Hey, did you build the uh, direct line on 13 from the back tee box to the fairway, or are we still walking around? No, we're still walking around. Ah, we're going to okay. take that bridge. <laughs> we're going to take that bridge, yeah. All um, right. Number 13, you pointed that out. Number 13, that hole has changed significantly. It has. It has. Yeah, I can't wait for everybody to see that. That was a lot of time and energy by a lot of people to figure out how are we going to modify that hole, but it's I love how it turned out. Yeah, that is great out there. All right, Mike, I appreciate it, and we look forward to being out there uh, next summer for the U.S. Senior Open. Thanks, Jonathan. You appreciate bet. your time. Mike James joining us on the Settlers Bank phone line here on Krauss & Company. And, again, that's coming up uh, last week of June. 
of 2023. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, wrap up uh, this edition of Krauss and Company. Yet to come, we also have Haley Tenpass joining us with a preview of Focus Fox Valley. And I'll bring you my two cents as well right before the holiday weekend. Krauss and Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Find their offices in Appleton, Green Bay, and Oshkosh or online at hooperlawoffice.com. For your elder law and estate planning needs, Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. Jonathan Kraus here on Kraus and Company as we wrap things up on this Friday. Extended weekend for me, uh, no show on Monday, and then a best of show on Tuesday. Coming up next here on WHBY is a fresh show of Haley Tenpass with uh, Focus Fox Valley. And first off, before we get into that, mm-hmm. how did things go at the Combat Hunger Food Drive yesterday? It was awesome. It was so great. A lot of people coming out to say hi, which always makes my day. And the generosity of people, but just the giving hearts in general. You know, people would come up and say, hey, it's not much, but it is. It really is. If it's one jar of peanut butter or a couple of cans, that makes a difference. And we had all of that and everything on the other side of the spectrum, you know, a a whole trunk load of food being donated. I was told we had a thousand dollar anonymous donation made yesterday. And it was it was just remarkable to see people and talking with the folks at Feeding America, Eastern Wisconsin, and talking with the folks from Wisconsin Veterans Village and uh, the Fox Cities Veterans Council, just hearing firsthand how that, how those donations truly do make a difference for people who often have a lot of pride and don't want to admit that they need that help. It's It was special. So I was proud to be part of that, and I, I can't wait to hear the numbers and things of, of how well we did. Cash donation getting uh, matched by our friends at TDS Fiber. Correct. And they also upped their generosity. Ah. They went from matching up to $1,000 to matching up to $2,000 in cash. So that was pretty cool. All right. And for the most part, the weather cooperated. The weather was great. It was... We had a breeze. We had a great breeze. <laughs> we, we were kind of monitoring our, our signage a bit uh, to hope and make sure that it would stay upright. But we had a nice breeze, no bl- glaring sunshine. It was overcast, and it was a great day. What are the holiday weekend plans? Yeah, we're figuring those out. I think tomorrow <clears throat> we are planning on a beach day, actually, for our ah. family. So we actually would like to go to Lake Michigan. So... We're coordinating with another family, and we're, we're going to head to the beach tomorrow. And I think we'll probably squeeze in a trip to our family cottage as well. But we're gearing up for the big wedding weekend oh, that's next right. week. So nothing too wild as we've got a lot of celebrations in the week ahead as well. I was going to say that you should go to Point Beach in Two Rivers. Very nice beach. Uh, nice for swimming as well. However, it appears that uh, their high temperature tomorrow is only going to be 73. It's always cooler by the lake. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, when you were a kid, did your parents have a set temperature of at which you weren't allowed to swim or go in the water or Not anything like that? Not at really? all. Oh, no. So we had a hard and fast rule in the Krause household. It had to be 80 at least. 80 to go into a pool if someone had a pool. 80 to swim at the lake. Or 80 to go to uh, a water park. Hmm. We violated that just once. We did a weekend in Wisconsin Dells, and the day we went to Nozark, I think it was about 72 or 73. Hmm. And you know I'm not the biggest water 
recreation person to begin with, and I was even worse at that age. Just not a fan of being in the water at all. So my sister and I, uh, my parents, this I think was still back in the time when Noah's Ark was requiring you to purchase tokens for rides within the park as opposed to an all-inclusive, if you will. So we got two tokens worth uh, to go down water slides. And by the time we got done with the first one, I was freezing cold. It was 72, but I was freezing cold. And I don't think my sister was doing any better. I don't, you know, I've never thought of it that way. I remember going to Rainbow Falls in middle school a lot, and it was cold, but we would just grin and bear it because we were not in our classroom. We were at Rainbow Falls. I think for our kiddos, half the fun of going to the beach is playing in the sand, and they're not in the water too much. So tomorrow might be more of a enjoying the... The, the sun, the sand. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We were thinking of going to Point Beach. I thought you were going to say something about like the waves being too big or something. And I was like, oh, if I need to look at the, oh, at, out at in the two surf rivers? or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, you never know. <laughs> All right. So what's coming up next on Focus Fox Valley? All right. Well, we've got, of course, uh, uh, Rob Zimmer Outdoors in our number one. And if I had to guess. What the Rob, award-winning Rob Zimmer. The award-winning Rob Zimmer Outdoors. We'll have to ask him about that. Absolutely. <laughs> and what we're going to also, I, I would imagine we would talk about nature's fireworks and the bright colors or, or things in nature. July nature comes to mind, too, being at July 1st. I'm sure that Rob will give us a heads up to what we can see in bloom this month. So all of that to come. Followed by uh, Travel Wisconsin joining us in our number two. Craig Trost will be with us. We're going to share some events, some some very big festivals in the area, some On the water and some off the water, apparently. So (laughs) Craig will fill us in on those. And we're going to wrap up the show checking in with Arts Oshkosh. We're learning more about a downtown Oshkosh revitalization initiative. And they are looking to transform some buildings and storefronts and just brighten them up a little bit. So we're going to hear more about this initiative, how they've kind of gotten the ball rolling and have secured some funding and what their hope is for maybe a nonprofit status down the road as well. All right. Well, now that we can drink outside in Oshkosh and walk around with our drinks, there we go. That's pretty cool. Let's make the buildings look brighter. Might as well. <laughs> Thank you, Haley. Thanks, And have Jonathan. a good holiday weekend. Thank you. You as well. Golfing, I would imagine. Uh, just one. Well, I'll be hitting balls on Saturday, but just one round of golf. My sister and brother-in-law are coming up from Texas. Oh, that's right. At my parents' place. That's We've right. not been able to play golf together in years. Well, that sounds like a fun, t- fun time then. It'll be fun for me. We'll see how fun it is for them. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right, so Haley comes up in about 20 minutes here on WHBY. Time now for My Two Cents, a daily opinion feature here on Kraus and Company. I know we really don't celebrate our freedoms anymore on July 4th. Everything has now become a right. But between grilled hot dogs and illegal backyard fireworks this weekend, I want you to give thanks for what is becoming a more important freedom nowadays, the freedom not to care. There's a growing sentiment that we should care about everything. Perhaps the 24-hour TV news cycle has contributed to that. So too as the internet and social media has promoted posts are as common on your feeds as posts from the people you like or follow. And the nature of modern politics contributes to that belief as well, especially if everything now can be turned into a crisis. Some folks try very hard to make you care about what they care about. They aren't afraid to block the street you're trying to drive on. 
They try to keep you from getting into a business you want to support. They fill up your social media with articles and videos that have nothing to do with what you or one of your friends initially posted about. The phrase, silence is violence, has grown in popularity in recent years. It implies that every single person must have only a certain opinion on something, but they must be voicing that certain opinion at all times, or they're contributing to the perceived problem. If you don't care about something, you're one of the bad people. Even if you have nothing to do with the bad people or their actions, you simply don't care. It's no wonder that today's youth deal with extreme levels of anxiety. They're constantly told they have to care about everything. The environment, the ocean, every species of animal, the feelings of every person on earth, how chickens are raised, freshwater supplies, firearms laws in all 50 states, always using inclusive language, labor practices in 280 countries, and the gender status of celebrities. That's a lot to handle. No wonder they can't separate themselves from their devices. What if they miss important updates on all of the things they care so much about? The beauty of our, of our country is that we all don't have to care about everything. If your greatest concern is about who the Packers are going to keep as their third tight end at the end of training camp, that's great. Our friends over at The Score will likely spend 45 minutes talking about that some afternoon about a month from now, and you can call in and share your concerns. If all you care about is how many stupid spoilers and ground effects you can put on your car, that's fine too. I'm not losing any sleep if you don't care about what I care about, and you shouldn't demand that I care about what you care about either. If it wasn't for the actions of our founding fathers on July 4th of 1776, we would all have to care about a sexual predator prince, his elderly mother's health, and soccer. I'm Jonathan Krauss. That's my two cents. You can check it out anytime you like on our website, whby.com. And that is a wrap on today's edition of Krauss and Company and this week as well. Don't forget... I'm off uh, Monday and Tuesday, so special programming on the 4th of July and then a best-of show coming up on Tuesday. My thanks to Brian Carberry from Rent.com, Kurt Dachins from the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region, Maddie Ulenbrock from the Fox Cities Convention and Visitors Bureau, and again, best of luck on her upcoming nuptials next weekend, and Mike James from Century World all joining me on today's show. Haley Tenpass is next with Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. I hope you have a safe an enjoyable holiday weekend. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday. not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.